Welcome to the Longevity Decoded Podcast, a thought-provoking journey into science and medicine with discussions on how to optimize your health by learning the cutting-edge tools to apply in your daily life, preventing illness and maximizing your health span. I'm your host, Dr. Guerrero. Welcome to today's episode. For those who don't know me, I'm Dr. Guerrero. I'm a board-certified internal medicine doctor, board-certified pulmonary or lung doctor, a board-certified critical care medicine or intensive care doctor, and finally, a board-certified interventional pulmonology or a lung doctor or pulmonologist that is trained to further do high-level advanced interventions of the lungs and the airways in a non-invasive manner. My highest degrees where I did all the training for this subspecialties of medicine come from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. Although I acquired a massive amount of knowledge from these institutions, the opinions in this podcast and what's presented here are entirely my own. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with the tools necessary to quickly apply scientific knowledge to your daily life, improving your quality of life and your health span. The idea is that you're going to get the scientific, solid, evidence-based information that you can rely on, but I'm not going to confuse you with all the uh, scientific jargon. I will provide some of that, but I'll make it very simple. And I promise you when this finishes, you'll end up with a very clear plan of how to apply this, why does it work, and why things don't work also, so you can get the complete picture here. Um, This is going to be very useful, so just enjoy the podcast. You're going to learn a lot. Now, I would like to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Our first sponsor is Baya Neuroscience. Baya, that's B as in boy, I-A, Baya Neuroscience. I was very excited to talk to their CEO and see what they're building with this mask. It's a mask that you wear at night or in the airplane, has a complete blackout, and has a lot of neuroscience technology inside of it. It's also comfortable with a washable interior, has neural music to induce sleep and maintain sleep that matches the specific different stages of your sleep and has also a mechanism to shine light internally to wake you up. Whenever you want to do this, it's fully programmable from an app and it will track your sleep quality. Um, Again, I think it's a great product. I'll put a link below that you'll get a discount with my name there. Um, So give it a try. I recommend that for good sleep hygiene and quality of sleep. Our second sponsor is Thorn. Thorn produces premium quality supplements. They were founded back in 1984 and they started as a company that would just privately provide the supplements to the doctor's offices specifically and that's why I like them a lot. They're very uh, controlled. They have a lot of quality controlled, a lot of precision in terms of the supplements they use. It's a very clean um, purified facility that they have and is vetted by a third party that checks and makes sure that the ingredients they say they put on the label are indeed in the capsules or pills and that the amounts are accurate as well. Um, so I recommend that you try Thorn Supplements. I think they're targeted really well for health, wellness, and longevity. And 
click my link below and you'll get a discount as well. Today's episode is very interesting and it's actually, this one's very easy to apply. We're gonna talk about deliberate cold exposure. And um, I use the word deliberate here because it's something that you're gonna do intentionally to stress your body out, yes stress your body out. I know that sounds like I don't want to stress my body out, but that's actually what you want. Your body wants that it needs based on evolution. Over millions of years, our ancestors, prior hominids, and then eventually Homo sapiens, us about 200, 250,000 years ago approximately, have been exposed to stress, okay? Stress from being eaten up by bigger animals, stress from illness, weather, etc. And, uh, the body has developed multiple mechanisms to cope with this. And um, that's why your body is equipped and is expecting that stress to come by. And interestingly, and this is completely thoroughly shown, mainly or more famously from the Harvard Genetics Labs uh, of Dr. S uh, David Sinclair and also uh, Dr. Garant at MIT and others, of course, that causing a moderate stress to the body, which is termed hormesis. This hormesis effect is something that we are um, expecting. Uh, mainly our genetic makeup is expecting that and is equipped again to challenge that and cope with it. And when he does that, something, um, let's say magical happens, although it's actual science, but something interesting happens, which is that your body, in order to cope with this, will trigger multiple metabolic pathways based on your DNA, and this is very universal for all human beings with different tolerance levels, but it will trigger different pathways that will lead to increased survival of the living being. And this has been shown from worms to fruit flies to rodents, mice, rats, um, other animals, including other primates and human beings, then when challenged with a moderate stress, although uncomfortable, uh, which is the subjective and real impression at the end from the person. This stress is leading to a longer lifespan, health span, and more immediate metabolic and health benefits. So that's, I just wanted to give you the basis of why would this work? Why would you deliberately or intentionally put yourself under cold temperatures to stress out yourself? I hope you understood that, but I'll give you a quick analogy uh, or parallel for this, which would be fasting. When you're fasting, you're causing hormesis or a moderate stress that is bothersome enough to trigger these metabolic pathways that lead to increased longevity, increased health span via, in that case, the sirtuin genes. Um, so fasting and cold plunging or cold exposure lead to increase metabolic benefits, increase health span and lifespan. So that's why we need to seriously try to incorporate this to your daily life. And again, I promise you it's very easy to incorporate and cheap. So in order to talk about this, we need to understand the basis of how temperature plays a role in our biology. The main controller, so to speak, or let's call it a thermostat in your body is the uh, hypothalamus. More specifically in the medial preoptic area, that's where the body senses temperature and changes your temperature depending on the external environment. Um, now, how does the hypothalamus do this? Well, it, it works pretty consistently with slight variation between individuals um, utilizing sunlight and the circadian rhythm. So let's go over the basic 
different temperatures that the body usually runs during the day and night. So the lowest temperature you're going to have is about approximately two hours before you wake up. So if you wake up at say at seven in the morning, your lowest body temperature will be at five in the morning. If you wake up at 6 a.m., you'll be at 4 a.m. and so on. So that's your lowest point. And then when you wake up, cortisol is produced, there's some changes in the hypothalamus, and then just gradually over the day, the temperature rises. So this is very easy to remember. As you wake up, temperature rises, and then it continues to go up gradually. And around the late afternoon, say 3, 4 p.m., it peaks at its max, and then gradually after that, starts to go down very, very slowly. And uh, as you know, before you go to bed, you know, most people 10, 10, 30 or so at night, at that point, you need a temperature drop. And that's when the temperature starts to go down significantly. And, and that drop in the temperature is a trigger for sleep and is very important. So just a quick segue, I would recommend, and you know, if you get most uh, sleep physiologists, PhDs, uh, based on lab data and studies, we see that a lower temperature before you go to sleep and throughout the night, it's beneficial to induce sleep and maintain sleep. And now we're going to dig deep into the details of how to do this. But in general, what we're talking about here is either taking a cold shower, going into a cool swimming pool, getting into an actual full ice tub, uh, or to an actual uh, tub that is designed with a cooling system, or a dry cryotherapy machine. Um, so there's different ways to do it, uh, including also just walking outside in a very cold temperature uh, with very minimal um, clothing. Um, that's another option. So there's different ways to do it, so you can do it in different ways. But I'm going to explain which are the preferred methods and why. And also we're going to talk about what is the target temperature that you should aim for and is there a target temperature that should actually um, you should achieve or aim for. So let's get this out of the way. Anything that you do that will lower your temperature, okay, and elicits shivering and elicits a sense of discomfort due to the lower temperature, regardless of the temperature, just a little bit cool, it is enough to trigger a response, okay? So again, there's no specific prescription. There's no study that shows that the key temperature is 34 degrees or the key temperature is 60 degrees. That doesn't exist, okay? They've done studies at different temperatures, but we know that this reflex or the response to the cold uh, is working on the uh, autonomous or automatic autonomous nervous system. And this essentially is a non-negotiable response from your body. So, you know, I, what I mean with non-negotiable is that if you put me in 34 degrees, I cannot just say, hey, you, what? you know what, I'm not going to shiver. It's fine. I, I don't want to shiver. You cannot negotiate that with the temperature. You will shiver and you will get cold. So, Let's say you go into something that's not that cold. Let's say 70 degrees Fahrenheit, a, a swimming pool that's at that temperature. And you go in there, and then after a few minutes, and at 70 you will, very likely, you're going to start shivering. And then you're going to feel, initially when you jump or get into the pool at 70 degrees, you will feel uncomfortable. You're going to actually hesitate once you feel the, the temperature there. So just the mere fact that you're hesitating and that you feel uncomfortable that's the first step to say, yes, you're getting an effect. So if you feel uncomfortable and you shiver, 
and you feel like uncomfortable, almost like some people feel like they're almost like panicking is so cold, that tells us that your body, and that includes the brain and the adrenal glands, and the brain will be an area specifically known as the locus ceruleus. And in the body, in the adrenal glands, that will be another place where you release these two types of adrenalines or epinephrine. So one is pure epinephrine or pure adrenaline, and the other one is norepinephrine or noradrenaline. The more, I would say, colloquial term will be adrenaline, the more scientific term will be epinephrine. So epinephrine, norepinephrine will be released from the brain, again, locus ceruleus, and the adrenal glands. And that's when you feel like that energy or that you're freaking out when, when it is so cold and you want to get out. That's your first instinct. You'll start shivering, okay? And that's the second sign that you are getting the normal non-negotiable again response from the body to this temperature and therefore given the discomfort you're having a hermetic effect or again a moderate stress which is a benign stress it's not a malignant stress like i say you're super stressed at work you cannot control things at work you're losing control that's a bad type of stress mediated by cortisol the stress hormone here i'm not talking about that i'm talking about a benign type of short-lived stress that you're in control of and will result in a benefit okay so what are the benefits what what and what's actually happening in your body we need to understand this what's happening in your body is uh, the first thing is that you're gonna treat your discipline you're gonna fortify your discipline just Let's say you do it in the morning, which we're going to talk about when to do it as well, morning, afternoon, or night. But let's say you do it in the morning, you go in there. Just the fact that you said, let's get out of bed now, and let's, for example, like in my case, I jump into my swimming pool. So you jump into the pool, and the fact that you got out there, and it's 60 degrees outside with wind, and the pool could be also at 60, and you actually went out there and say, okay, let's go, that throughout the days and days and weeks is going to build your discipline, okay? So discipline, which is basically being able to do something consistently when you don't even feel like doing it sometimes and you just push through that. So it's gonna build resilience and discipline. So that's a big gain right there, okay? It's got nothing to do with the cold, but you're doing something challenging. But that's the first benefit of doing this. And then when you actually jump or get into the pool or cold shower, whatever you're doing, you get in there, then, you have the non-negotiable effect and you're gonna get the uh, discomfort, like you feel like a boost of energy and that's the adrenalines. Uh, adrenalines, again, epinephrine, norepinephrine. And then you get the shivering, which will trigger the production of something called succinate. Succinate is a very key molecule that will work on your fat cells and is really good for weight loss and will trigger the activation and formation of new fat, but a different type of fat known as brown fat. So it's known as brown or beige fat. When it's a beige, it's, it has a moderate amount of mitochondria. When it's full brown, uh, it's really loaded with mitochondria. So what, what is mitochondria for those that don't know? Mitochondria are little organelles or little structures that we have inside our cells, including the fat tissues. Your normal fat tissues are known as white fat or the regular fat. Those have very little mitochondria, so they're white. But the brown fat, which is the one that the babies have, because just so you know, infants 
um, especially the first few weeks or so, they have an inability to effectively shiver. So they rely on the brown fat to warm them up. So brown fat has the ability of warming you up. And how does it do it? By utilizing increased metabolism and energy with mitochondria. So they have a high load of mitochondria, which is sort of like your powerhouse or your power cell, like a battery of your body and your cells. So newborns, babies, they have a lot of this brown fat So because they have an inability to shiver effectively. Uh, but grown-ups can shiver, so we have less brown fat. When you get yourself into the cold and expose yourself to that, that shivering will trigger succinate, and this molecule will increase the amount of brown fat in your body, effectively increasing the amount of mitochondria. And this has been shown from animals to humans where you actually have more of these power cells more of these batteries, more of the mitochondria, which give that brown color to the fat. And that's why it's called brown fat, again. And then when you do that, immediately that succinate will start producing more brown fat. You get an immediate benefit there. That higher energy state is gonna increase your overall metabolism and it's gonna start causing weight loss, okay? Just by a higher metabolic demand. Now, what else is happening at the moment? As the norepinephrine and epinephrine starts to subside, you start to adapt. And I, I do this very frequently, almost every day. You don't feel cold anymore. You almost feel like you're at that same temperature as the water. And uh, at that point, you start feeling a little bit more comfortable there. Okay, not fully comfortable, just a little bit more comfortable. You feel how the adrenaline is going down. Okay, and then you start feeling a sense of well-being, and that's when, let's say, the magic happens in, ter in terms of the overall well-being or the feeling of being well, uh, is that dopamine, which is the reward uh, or the motivation uh, neurotransmitter. Or it's more of a neuromodulator because it affects multiple neurotransmitters. When the dopamine goes up, you get that feeling of feeling just great. You feel great. That's, that's the best way to describe it. That's had been, that has been uh, measured in blood and the dopamine levels go up. Um, the nice thing about it is that initially they go up kind of fast, but then they, they continue to creep up gradually. The dopamine levels, the, the feeling of well-being molecule and reward molecule starts to go up gradually. And in, in some studies, and it, it gets more pronounced at lower, even lower temperatures, but let's say you're at 70 degrees, you're going to have a persistent increase in dopamine even for hours. It varies from person to person. It is very gradual. So you're not going to become an addict. Uh, it's different uh, to a drug because it's so gradual. But it's just going to get you feeling really well for several hours. And exposure to extremely low temperatures, like I say 34 degrees. There, there's been studies up in Scandinavia where uh, people have achieved 3x baseline on their dopamine levels. Really high comparable to cocaine but why are you not uh, going to become an addict at uh, this cold exposure because it is a very gradual increase in the dopamine all the way up to a level of a cocaine exposure almost but the cocaine is an immediate pump we're talking seconds to minutes where you're all the way up in the dopamine suddenly without any type of effort essentially and that's what makes you an addict and then to com complete the addiction addiction cycle the peak of dopamine will drop below your dopamine baseline and then you really need a higher dose of cocaine. So that's why that's so addictive. The, in the case of the deliberate cold exposure, the dopamine will go up immediately 
a nice little boost, but nothing insane, and then gradually creep up over hours, and then very slowly, after four or five hours, start coming down, but it goes down to your baseline. It doesn't go below baseline, so you won't become an addict. It's not a problem. It's not going to affect your dopamine system. So it's actually very beneficial to get that physiologic benign stress, triggering the brown fat and a dopamine boost. The other benefit that you're going to get, even on the first try, you will get an increase in your mental resilience. Your ability to think has been shown to sort of like clarify that brain fog will improve dramatically from one single exposure to the cold. Um, and some of it is due to increased focus from the norepinephrine and nor, uh, or noradrenaline and the epinephrine or adrenaline. So that's going to help you focus. It's going to keep you energized. And that's why, now let's go uh, for the second question, when to do this? It just makes sense. And I'm going to point this out as a practical tool that you can apply right now and understand when should you do this? Well, if adrenaline, which gets you energized, um, is going to pump when should you do the cold punch? Well, obviously, it will be during the daytime. And obviously, more ideally, will be in the morning if you're a normal, you know, person, like a general person, you know, nine to five, etc. You're working during the day. You're going to get the most benefit if you do it in the morning, okay? And then, obviously, you don't want to do it at night in general if you're having a normal, again, life cycle, so to speak, working during the day, sleeping at night. You don't want to do this at night because... I mean, you could do it, but then you would have to probably get into a hot shower to trick the thermostat to lower the temperature. This is what happened. If you do the cold at night, you're going to get pumped up with adrenaline. You're going to be wide awake, energetic, high dopamine. It's going to be hard to fall asleep like that, okay? So I would certainly wouldn't do it at the time of going to bed or 30 minutes before. I would do actually the opposite. I would actually put myself into a hot shower or sauna that's going to warm me up, okay, overall. When I come out of that, your thermostat will try to adjust and will try to cool you down. And that's what we want. So your body, your hypothalamus, again, in the brain, that's uh, behind your nose and above the roof of your mouth, roughly back there. That's where this structure is, the hypothalamus. We'll try to adjust, that's the thermostat again, your temperature to a lower temperature if you're coming out of a sauna or a hot shower at night. So it's perfect because it's going to try to cool you down. And eventually, once all the, the warmth comes off, you're going to be actually extra cool. And that's perfect to fall asleep. But that's a different subject. I recommend sauna or a hot shower, hot top before you go to bed because it will eventually cool you even more to fall asleep and maintain sleep throughout the night. But for the deliberate cold exposure, you should do it in the morning. You could do it in the afternoon. You know, let's say I wouldn't do it like after, say, I don't know, 4 or 5 p.m. That'll be probably around that limit so it doesn't cause any problems. Do it in the morning, uh, maybe in the early afternoon or so or the afternoon, but definitely not in the evening. Now, people are going to ask, is this going to help with my health overall? Is this just uh, making me feel good and getting me energetic and going? That's it. Does it have any actual health benefits? Yes. So uh, Susanna Soberg, um, a scientist uh, from Scandinavia, she's done a lot of this research on animals and humans, extensive amount of research on other people as well. Uh, but essentially, they've looked at other health benefits. Is there a long-term benefit from doing this in a consistent basis? Um, and how often 
should they do it? So let's get this out of the way. So first thing, uh, Susanna Sober showed in her studies that doing 11 minutes uh, per week, and you can divide that in sessions, uh, dip, different temperatures, 34 to 57 degrees, most of the studies are in that range. That's more than plenty to get a benefit. Now, if you're going to do maybe 60, 70 degrees, you probably have to do more. There's Again, there's no specific prescription, but it might be 10 minutes, 15 minutes at 60 to 70 degrees. That's an approximation. If you're doing 60 to 70 degrees, it might require a longer time. Again, there's no specific prescription. We don't know. It might be something in the uh, approximate range of 10 minutes up to 15 minutes and, and you'll get a, a, a more significant effect. But again, at very low temperatures of 34, 57 degrees, you can literally do three minutes, you know, and they've shown that at 34 degrees, three minutes, it's more than plenty to get a huge norepinephrine, epinephrine and dopamine responses. But that at 60, 70, you still get that, but you probably have to linger more than three minutes. And again, I would say about 10 to 15 minutes. So that would be a temperature they can achieve with a cold shower, for example, or a pool, you can get easily, say, 70, 72 degrees, and that will be plenty. Again, how to gauge it? How do you know if it's working? Very simple. Did you feel uncomfortable when you got in? Did you feel like, oh, this thing is cold, I want to get out? That's the first thing. If you feel that, it's working. And then if you shiver, it's definitely working. So you're getting even the brown fat, fat effect, increased metabolism. What's the next thing? The next thing is, what is the health benefits long-term from this Besides, like I said, just being energetic, awake, uh, and having mental resilience. Well, there's studies, again, from Susanna Soberg and other uh, researchers, that there's increased insulin sensitivity, meaning like your organs are more sensitive to the insulin, meaning you need, need less insulin, and you see decreasing blood pressure and decreasing heart rate. So both of those, decreased blood pressure, decreased heart rate, will have an ultimate improvement or diminished risk in cardiovascular disease and other complications related to that. For example, myocardial infarction, strokes, aortic dissections, okay, where you basically your aorta gets, um, or the walls of the aorta get damaged, get torn, blood starts coming out, and it could be a lethal event. I've seen people just suddenly having this and ending up completely paraplegic because they were hypertensive. So this could uh, um, attenuate uh, that hypertension and the tachycardia, which is also bad. Tachycardia is the fast heart rate. That's also bad for your vascular system. So your blood vessels, your heart, your brain. And along with the increased insulin sensitivity, they've shown better glucose control. So people are running lower glucose levels, very likely lower hemoglobin A1C, which is the lab that you can order to check the average glucose level in the last uh, three months. Um, so this should increase your compliance and um, intention to go ahead and start doing this. And again, just to remind you, if it's extremely cold, like 34 degrees, 57 degrees, you just need three minutes. And if you compile a total of 11 minutes a week, you're going to see all the benefits that I described. But again, none of us are identical. And if you shiver and you feel uncomfortable, in there, even if it's 72 degrees, that's enough to trigger the benefits in your body. So you don't have to really get into an ice cold bathtub necessarily. You would have to stay a little bit longer in the, say, the cool pool at 72 or the cold shower. But you can still get the benefits for free. I mean, it just, for example, a cold shower. Now, just to be very clear, 
Um, cold shower studies are very scant because it's really hard to measure the temperature because you're not really fully inside of a container that where the temperature can be measured, like a tub, for example. How they, how, that's how they've done the studies for cold exposure. So the showers, we don't have too much data, but if we know that if you're shivering, you're producing succinate, you're triggering that brown fat, you feel uncomfortable. So we know that it is working. Now you might ask, okay, I have access to everything. Cryotherapy, cold pool, freezing tub at 34 degrees, cold shower, walking out in the snow, which one do I pick? So in general, based on what we have nowadays with all the studies, I would say it's probably a tie, but I would say submerging your body will be key, neck down. Uh, that will be number one. So be it a cool tub uh, or some sort of uh, system that you buy um, that has a, a cooling mechanism in it that you can dial it down to about 34 degrees, stay there one to three minutes. That'll be my number one. Um, in terms of achievement of temperatures, I would say a cryo, like a standing cryo dry machine. Um, you'll see that uh, in my Instagram. I put an image of that. I'll see if I can get one here. And then number two will be a swimming pool at a cool temperature, which would be 60, 70, 72 degrees or so. That'll be my number two option. Uh, and number three will be the cold shower, okay? And then the last one will be walking outside in the cool temperature. Um, so that'll be my preference um, based on what we have in the data. Again, number one will be actually submersion of the body, okay? Or a fancy cryo machine, which is a dry cool. Um, and then will be a cool pool, then the cold shower, and then walking outside in a cold weather without a jacket. So very easy to apply. You can start with a cold shower or if you have a swimming pool or easy access to a community pool or a pool nearby, I would do that and try to, I don't know, perhaps aim uh, to do it as often as you can, a couple times per week. Um, and again, if it's very cold, you just need three minutes. And if you achieve 11 minutes in a week, you get the full benefits from the Scandinavian studies. Another thing I want to say here, this is um, a matter of uh, safety. I need to say this. Do not start with extreme cold if you've never done this and you don't know what your tolerance is. You know, extreme cold can cause and does cause, and we see this in the hospital, especially in the winter times up north, people can get coronary artery vasospasms. And if they already have, and they don't need to have, but it's even worse, if they already have underlying coronary artery disease, they have plaque, a lot of plaque and calcium in the arteries, they can go into a spasm where the vessels that feed the heart get contracted and tight, and they can get a heart attack and even sudden death. And you don't want to be floating in a pool or in a top and then suddenly go unconscious because of a heart attack and drown, okay? So I would absolutely recommend first run it by your medical doctor, especially if you have heart disease, I would say, or strokes. Talk to your doctor, heart doctor, neurologist, your internal medicine doctor and say, well, based on my medical history doctor, can I start a very gradual exposure to cold temperatures? And if they clear that, uh, I would recommend that you start with a warmer temperature, so let's say 70 degrees, very gradual, somebody's pressing there, you tolerate that, do it a couple times and then gradually go to 60 degrees, you're doing okay, that's fine, just very slowly over several weeks, because again, you're getting the benefit at 70, you don't need to jump to a 34 immediately. Now let's talk about exercise and the link with cold exposure. When should I do the cold? 
Should I do it after exercise to, to re relax my muscle, decrease inflammation before? Okay, so it depends on what your goal is. So if you just want to get energized, and they've done studies on this, if you just want to get energized to do your workout, it is best to do the cooling first. You might think about that, I'm going to get cold, I need to warm up. Yeah, you will have to warm up, but this will absolutely energize you. We said norepinephrine or noradrenaline, and adrenaline will get pumped, plus dopamine, which is going to give you a feeling of reward, well-being, drive. So you have all that energy and drive. You go straight to the gym. I wouldn't start with the heaviest weight or the heaviest or toughest hit exercise, but you'll start exercising, warming up as normal, as you should warm up, and then you'll see that you have a lot of energy and strength. Uh, so in order to use this to your advantage, especially if you have trouble getting into the gym, one, one of those that you know most people and myself, I struggle getting into the gym, I use myself cold exposure as a tool. And once I come out, dry up, change, I'm fully energized straight up to the gym and I feel like I do have more energy. Um, so there's a mechanism there where strength energy it could be completely driven by the adrenaline you have more energy to do the exercise and there's no problems with doing this another intention would be for decreased inflammation so if you're doing very um, extreme exercise you're an athlete uh, you see this in the nfl other sports they use cryotherapy machines or cool plunging to decrease that inflammation so it is certainly beneficial and it will decrease the amount of soreness afterward. So that's another application of doing this. So when you finish the gym, let yourself cool down, wait maybe 30 minutes or so. Um, it could be hours afterwards as well, you still get a benefit. Uh, and then do the deliberate cold exposure to decrease inflammation. Your main goal for exercise could be muscle mass gain. Okay, especially if you're really at a competition level. You know, there is a benefit to that exercise that leads to muscle growth that theoretically could be blunted somewhat by the cold exposure. So, you know, the consensus right now is that if you're aiming for muscle mass, it might be beneficial not to expose yourself to cold probably um, up to six hours after the workout. So you have to wait at least six hours because the cold temperature could blunt some of the muscle growth effects in the first couple hours, okay? Uh, the effect is probably not significant. You'll probably have muscle growth, but it could blunt a little bit of it. And if you're especially trying to really maximize, maximize muscle growth and volume, you probably wanna wait to cool down for that inflammation or anti-inflammatory effect about over six hours. Okay, so that will be uh, the link between exercise and cold exposure and the quick um, applications and practical tools that you can apply to your daily life right now, depending on your goals. I want to give you another practical tool here, and that is when you get into, let's say, a cold, it will be something you're submerged in, like a cold tub or a cold pool. Okay, I'm talking about the submersion methods. So if you put your body, again, I said neck down, all the way down, uh, submerged. Uh, and the face, if you put it under the water as well, it is very uncomfortable, okay? Uh, but there might be an advantage to doing that intermittently throughout the uh, exposure because that will trigger the mammalian diving reflex. We're mammals, 
And when we submerge our faces, that triggers that mammalian reflex, which causes a bradycardia. So it helps you. It's not, it's not going to be a strong enough to stop and you don't want to stop the adrenaline because that's part of the hermetic effect or the moderate stress but submerging your face will cause a slight modulation of that and can help you calm down a little bit and make you feel more comfortable so perhaps a little bit of intermittent uh, intermittently putting your face and head completely under the water and just a few seconds and come out it can help you trigger this mammalian diving reflex cause a little bit of bradycardia and relax you a little bit help you push through those minutes so you can get the full benefit uh, of the uh, deliberate cold exposure. So I know we cover a lot today. So what are the take-home points here? In conclusion, number one, do this at the beginning of your day, depending if you're a night worker, day worker, but it will be the beginning of your day, not before going to bed, okay? Number two, you want to uh, do this consistently the more you do it if you stay with it i'm not saying every single day necessarily but stay with it to develop that brown fat to get the long-term health benefits remember low blood pressure low heart rate and increased um, basically precision with the glucose management with decreased insulin resistance that's a long-term benefit with improved cardiovascular health meaning less strokes less heart attacks Uh, number three Remember, there's no specific temperature that you have to go into. So I would say titrate to shivering and discomfort. If you're learning and or enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to YouTube. You'll support the podcast tremendously. Another way to support the podcast completely free will be to not only subscribe to YouTube, but to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and where also on Apple Podcast. Also, please try to leave us a five-star review both on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying and learning from this. I'll encourage you to support the podcast by checking the sponsors here that were mentioned at the beginning of the presentation, Thorn uh, Supplements and Bia Neuroscience. I think you'll benefit from those products as well. Please subscribe to our newsletter. You can do that by going to uh, our website, which is um, www.jorgeguerreromd.com and you will be able to subscribe there, put your email and you'll start getting uh, a bi-weekly email where you're gonna get different protocols for longevity that I have and you're gonna get uh, the overall picture of how I view health and how to maximize longevity. So I'll encourage you to do that as well. Finally, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms There, you're going to be on top of the latest news regarding longevity medications, longevity supplements, longevity protocols, anything new that I'm doing, everything that I found in terms of cutting edge for medicine, cancer, and general health. And you will know what are the incoming episodes for the podcast uh, and which guests will be coming to the podcast for you to stay on top of things. We are uh, on virtually all social media platforms. Is the same handle or name for all of them. That will be at Jorge Guerrero, MD, or J-O-R-G-E-G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O-M-D. So very easy to find. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, um, as well as Twitter, now uh, called X. Lastly, I want to thank you for joining this thought-provoking journey into science 
and medicine, where you find discussions on how to optimize your health, I provide you with the cutting edge tools to apply to your daily life that will prevent illness and will optimize your lifespan and more importantly, your health span. Thanks for joining. We'll see you on the next episode.